Good morning, church. Maybe I should say top of the morning to you. <laughs> and the rest of the day to yourself. That's right, exactly. Also, good morning, everyone joining us online this morning. Thank you for taking time to be with us. If you're going to be in the Vero area anytime soon, we'd love for you to come join us on site. There really is nothing like it, right, church? Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Everybody's Irish today, right? We're all Irish on St. Patrick's Day. I see some of us wore green this morning. It's good to see that. You've got to avoid those pinches, right? No, not you, James. That's right. Speaking of St. Patrick's Day, how many of you knew that St. Patrick wasn't even Irish? He was Scotch-English. Uh, kind of a crazy story. He lived back in the 5th century, and he was actually pretty far from saintly growing up. He was a, a, a wild child, as they say. Uh, he considered himself a pagan in his early years. Kind of interesting. At the age of 16, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates and forced to serve in slavery for six years in Ireland. During that time, he turned from his wild ways into Christ and grew in his faith. After six years, he fled back to England. He escaped, and at the ripe old age of 48, uh, young today, but very much in the twilight of life back in the fifth century, he had a dream of an Irish voice calling out to him, and he took that as a call to return to Ireland, a place of great personal pain, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Irish people. St. Patrick chose to serve God and to serve the people of Ireland all those years ago. And now all these years later, we still celebrate the day of his death by eating corned beef, uh, wearing green shirts, and dumping a bunch of green dye into rivers for some reason. That can't be good for the wildlife. And everybody talking in an Irish accent um, that's how we celebrate him. Through the first quarter of the year, we have been walking through our mission here at Vera Christian Church to love God, love people, and serve others. This month, specifically, we've been going through the third component, serve others. In week one, Steve reminded us that if we love God and love people, that that should lead us to serve them that a natural outflow of true love is service. Last week, Steve reminded us that we're all gifted in a certain way, in a unique way by God, that we've been given that gift and we should use it and use it often for the good of others, and that that gift is especially useful in the life of a church, and that we are told in Scripture to be serving one another here at Vero Christian. And so the follow-up question to that is, where and how are you serving here at Vero Christian? That's a question that all of us need to answer. Each one of us as members of the church should be consistently looking for opportunities to serve and help around here. One of the best ways to do that is by serving a on a ministry team. If you have any interest in the kids' ministry team, you can come see me, student ministry as well. Eric leads our worship team and tech ministry. There's also first impressions. There's all kinds of ministries around here where you can plug in and use the gift that God's given you to serve and to help. Uh, you could also see any of our staff members or the elders or deacons. We can point you in the right direction. Please be in prayer about that. This morning, though, we are, I am here to talk about serving with excellence, what that means, what that looks like, why we should it's crucial for us this morning to understand that God, from what we see in Scripture, wants us to see an undivorceable marriage between serving him and serving the people around us. Jesus himself said, whatever you have done to the least of these, 
you have done to me, right? And so our serving others is not dependent on how great they are or how deserving they are of our service, but on how great our God is, something that is unchanging, constant. It is how great he is, is why we serve. God simply loves it when we love people so much that we serve them, because that's what he does. So this morning, we're going to talk about serving God by serving others with excellence. In order to do that, though, we need to talk about animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices and burnt offerings to God have been a part of human history really since the beginning. Their purposes have included worshiping God, celebrating victories, seeking forgiveness. The first instance we see of offering sacrifices is in Genesis 4, where it says this. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. What we see all the way back here at the beginning is is that there has always been a sacrifice that God accepts and one that God rejects. I used to wonder why it was that God accepted Abel's offering but rejected Cain's. The regulations and the rules for offering sacrifices hadn't even been laid out yet. Leviticus wouldn't be written for another few thousand years at this point. So why was it that Cain's offering got rejected? The answer is in a few places. One of those is right there in the text. It says Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, while Abel brought some of the firstborn, fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. There's a clear distinction here in the offerings. Abel brought his best, and Cain just brought some. Scripture also tells us in Hebrews 11:4 that Abel's sacrifice was made in faith tells us the condition of his heart. It takes faith to make an acceptable sacrifice to God. Cain brought a faithless offering, but Abel brought a faithful sacrifice. Cain's fruits and veggies would be easily replaced in the next crop, but the firstborn of the flock, of Abel's flock, was not so easily replaced. We've all heard the joke about the pig and the chicken, right? Pig and the chicken decide they're going to have a restaurant and the pig asks the chicken, hey, what should we serve? What, what do you think? And the, the chicken goes, well, you know, people love bacon and eggs, so let's just serve bacon and eggs, and that'll be our name, bacon and eggs. What do you think? The pig thought about it for a minute and said, no, thanks. He said, I'd be committed, and you'd just be involved. <laughs> There's a big difference between commitment and being, just being involved, right? There's a big difference between sacrifice and offering. That's what Cain and Abel displayed for us all those years ago. This is a problem that's plagued humanity really since the beginning. Fast forward a few thousand years and the people of Israel are making the same mistake that Cain did. In the book of Malachi, the Israelites are in a bad place. They've drifted from God. They've heard for generations that the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming. And they waited with eager anticipation. But as things do sometimes, sometimes you hear something over and over again and it just kind of loses its power. And so they allowed that to just become routine. They're going through the motions. They're offering sacrifices. They're doing the the stuff that they think they should do. But they're giving God the rest and not their best. 
Malachi 1, 8 through 10, says, when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased by that? Would he show you favor? Ask the Lord of hosts. And now ask for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, will he show any of you favor? Asks the Lord of hosts. You see, the people of Israel had decided in that moment, in that time, to not give God their best, but to give him the deformed, the dirty, the damaged animals of the flock. Keeping the best for themselves, they laid the rest on the altar for God and thinking that he would be pleased by that somehow. But he's not pleased. He's actually really upset by it. He basically asks them, would you do that for your governor? What would he think about that? When's the last time you had guests over at your house and you served them leftovers from the night before? We don't do that, right? What if Ron DeSantis himself came to your house? Would you serve him leftover Papa John's from the night before? No, we'd lay out a spread, right? This is our governor. It's a big deal. What's really sad about this passage is that, quite frankly, it still happens today. I brought some leftovers with me from the other night. Got some chicken. Imagine this chicken is our, our money. Imagine it's our time. Imagine it's our talent. Imagine it's our money this morning. We, we thank God for it, but then we start to think, well, you know, I gotta pay my mortgage. Mm. Gotta, gotta have life insurance. Mm. There's that new Avengers movie coming out, so I gotta make sure I go see that. Mm. Mm, gotta eat. Mm. We take bite after bite after bite. Excuse me. We take bite after bite of what we think we need or want. And we end up going, here you go, God. What's sad is that we do that with our finances. We do that with our time sometimes, we end up giving God our leftovers. Sometimes we're so committed to the things that we've committed to that we're too busy to serve others. We're too busy to give God our best. What's also really sad is that there are a lot of people that think God is up in heaven going, oh, oh, oh wow, there's still some meat on here. Wow, thanks. That's crazy. God is not delighted in half-hearted effort and leftovers. God deserves our best. It's what the priests in Malachi's day thought, is they could toss God a bone and they would get through. In student ministry, I'd really like to have one main takeaway from each message that I do. One big thought. This is what I want you to talk about around the lunch table today. Today's main idea, the big idea is this. Serving with excellence means giving God and others our best all the time. Let that sink in for a moment. Do I give God my best or do I give him the rest? Notice what I didn't say is, I didn't say that we need to be perfect. Serving with excellence doesn't mean perfection. We all fail at perfection. 
there was only one that was perfect, right? Some of the greatest athletes of all time still missed shots and lost games. Some of the greatest actors of all time still made pretty awful movies, right? Sorry if you're a Waterworld fan. <laughs> and some of the greatest leaders of all time still made poor choices and poor decisions. I mean, literally, pick just about any leader. Everyone makes mistakes and poor choices sometimes. It's one of the things that we all have in common. None of us are perfect. But what I did say is we need to give our best all the time. It sounds really heavy, doesn't it? Sometimes I think maybe it just sounds heavy because we're not all that used to it. What does it require, though? What does serving with excellence require? First off, it requires faithful focus. Faithful focus. Don and I have a friend named uh, Deb, and Deb loves to run marathons. And she's always posting about it on Facebook, always showing off her, her, her marathons and her time, and, and also during the week when she wakes up early in the morning to run. She posts about that and shows her time. She can run, it seems like, 20 miles before breakfast sometimes. I look at that and go, ooh, no thanks. That's pretty unappealing to me, right? But if we're honest, the only main difference between my friend and I is that she has faithfully focused her life on the goal of running marathons. And I haven't. Serving God and others with excellence requires faithful focus. It requires us faithfully focusing our lives on the things that matter. Francis Chan once wrote, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't matter. Are our lives faithfully focused on the things in life that matter? God, his kingdom, and eternity. Or do we spend time on things that don't really matter all that much? Serving with excellence also requires humility. Humility. A few weeks ago, Dawn and I started back up watching American Idol. Kind of an interesting uh, name in regards to what we're talking about. But as we're watching American Idol a few weeks ago, they had a young man on there by the name of Alejandro Aranda. Alejandro uh, and his audition are being dubbed the greatest audition in American Idol history. And so obviously I got to show you a clip of that. Closer to your fantasy, I can try to be the one you love and need. I'm feeling sort of like a burden. I feel that in my heart. Are you letting go of me now? I see the words across her face now, saving my last breath for you.
Yeah, that was, uh, that's about right. But as Don and I were watching that a few weeks ago, we just kind of sat there like Luke Bryan a little bit, just kind of, huh? Whoa, wow, what a talented kid. Two things really stuck out. First off, kid is really talented. He can make that guitar sing. Uh, secondly, what stood out, what I didn't show, was his responses to the judges were filled with humility, or what seemed to be humility, which is something that is pretty rare in the competitive music world. Typically, if you're talented and, and uh, doing a competition, oftentimes you're pretty quick to let everybody know how talented you are, right? Humility, uh, the humility that he showed helped him to shine even brighter. A uh, pride-filled response in that moment would have knocked him down a few pegs in the minds of a lot of people. Humility is something that is absolutely necess- it is an absolute necessity in the life of a Christian. Scripture is clear about that. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul was encouraging the church in Philippi there, challenging them to fill their hearts with humility, to think of others and their interests above their own, to serve with excellence. Humility in our service makes it excellent in the fact that a humble heart doesn't see any job as too big or too small. A humble heart just wants to serve, just wants to help. Serving with excellence requires humility. Lastly, serving with excellence requires the right view, the right view. Earlier I mentioned that the first sacrifices we see in scripture are there in Genesis 4 of Cain and Abel, uh, but that's not entirely true. The first sacrifice was actually from God and by God. But the sacrifice was not to us It was for us. Our greatest grandparents had walked with God in the garden in perfection. They had one rule to keep, and they broke it. Severing the relationship between them and God, introducing sin and death into the world and exposing their nakedness. God, being the good father that he is, couldn't leave them in that state, though. And so he chose to make a sacrifice the first sacrifice. Genesis 3:21 says the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God took an animal that he had created and he killed it in order to make clothing to cover their nakedness and shame. They had just disobeyed him in the gravest of ways. And in that moment he chose to love them and serve them. A sacrifice that was actually also a picture, a foreshadowing of things to come. See, many years later, God would make another monumental sacrifice. This one again, not to us, but for us. A sacrifice that would not be of an animal to clothe us in skin, but of himself in the form of his son, Jesus, to clothe us in righteousness. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he speaks right to this when he says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, the perfect, sacrificial, unblemished Lamb of God, his best given for us. Jesus laid 
his life down on the altar of the cross. He laid his life down to bring us grace and mercy and the hope of eternal life with him. His one sacrifice forever ended the need for animal sacrifices, but it didn't end sacrifices completely. He transformed them for us. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul is urging with us, pleading with us, to have the right view when we serve. In view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, to give him our best every day, to wake up in the morning, to have the right view, and to lay our lives down on the altar, giving him our best all the time. Because the greatest commandment, after all, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with every fiber of your being. Love God. And to love your neighbors as yourself. Faithfully focused on humbly serving them with loving excellence. Giving them and God our best all the time. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just humbly confess, if we're honest, that there are times when we can be too casual, where we can toss you a bone. And God, we repent of that. We confess our sin, and we just thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you so much that you are the God that helps us every day. This isn't something we just pull up our bootstraps and try really hard. You are the God that says, come to me all who are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. You are the God that gives us strength every day to do your will. So God, this morning, we wanna give you our best because you are deserving of our best. And God, we wanna do that all the time. We don't wanna phone it in. We don't wanna give a half-hearted effort in anything that we do. Because God, you deserve all the best. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.